Welcome to the SPO Great Music Podcast, brought to you by the Scarborough Philharmonic Orchestra, entertaining and serving our community and the greater Toronto area for more than four decades. Now our host, Dr. Daniel Metazada. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the SPO Great Music Podcast. My name is Ronald Royer, music director and conductor of the Scarborough Philharmonic Orchestra, and I will be your guest host again for this 15th podcast episode, the Brantford Symphony Orchestra. The BSO is one of the SPO's community partners for this podcast series, and we are pleased we can present their story. The Brantford Symphony has had an interesting history. It was first established in 1919 and continued until the mid-1930s when it was disbanded. In March 1948, the orchestra tried to come back, but in 1951, they disbanded again. In the fall of 1953, the Brantford Symphony rose from the ashes, this time to stay. In the 1960s, the BSO moved their venue to the beautiful and historic Capitol Theater, now known as Sanderson Center for the Performing Arts. Under the long directorship of Dr. Stanley Saunders from 1974 to 2001, the BSO evolved from a community orchestra to a professional orchestra. The current music director, Philip Sarabura, has been the music director since 2008. The city of Brantford and the Brantford Symphony are fortunate to have the Sanderson Center, which is a heritage theater and concert hall. The building was opened in 1919 as the Temple Theater a vaudeville and silent movie house. By the late 1920s, with the advent of talkies, movies overtook vaudeville as the preferred entertainment, and live shows were swept aside. In 1929, famous players purchased the Temple Theater to operate as a cinema and renamed it the Capitol in 1930. In 1986, the city of Brantford purchased the theater with assistance of dedicated community volunteers who raised funds to renovate the building. The theater was renamed the Sanderson Center for the Performing Arts to recognize the Sanderson family's generous support for the project. The center is a recipient of the prestigious Theater Preservation Award presented by the League of Historic American Theaters. I can recommend it is well worth attending a Brantford Symphony concert in this beautiful theater. And now our first guest. Philip Sarabura is a highly accomplished musician with a great variety of interests. He is a conductor, violinist, and organist of distinguished stature, highly experienced in all three areas. Growing up in Toronto, Philip was fortunate to attend the renowned St. Michael's Choir School and then attended university in London, Ontario. In 1989, he became a full-time member of the Hamilton Philharmonic Orchestra, a position he still holds. He also became the organist and music coordinator at St. Anne's Roman Catholic Church in Ancaster, Ontario. Philip's distinguished career as a conductor began when he became music director of the McMaster University Choir. During his tenure, Philip began to expand his conducting activities to the orchestral field. He conducted a number of Canadian orchestras, including the Hamilton Philharmonic, Orchestra London, Saskatoon Symphony, and the Canada Pops Orchestra. In 2008, Philip was named the music director and conductor of the Brantford Symphony Orchestra. Philip, we are pleased to have you on our podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Ron. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking. 
you have had an interesting and diverse musical career, working as a conductor for orchestras and choirs, as a violinist, and as an organist. How does this diversity affect each of your activities, and how does it affect your overall approach to music? How does it affect my activities? Well, it makes for an interesting juggling act. As you go into a new week, you identify your priorities, what what particular part of my workload, you know, I have to concentrate on this week and, you know, for what days and so on. It's something that you could almost call a triage. You know, you would identify the things that are most in need of, of being uh, taken care of this week or today or this morning. And and you kind of arrange your, your time that way, uh, shifting things around depending on oh I really got I've got I've got an orchestra rehearsal tomorrow that I'm, I'm playing violin for you know and I, I really have to look at that stuff so that's what I'm going to do this morning and then this afternoon I have to do spend some time at the church practicing on the organ so you know it, it's it's always a you know kind of a okay what 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 do, what do I need to do what's coming up next what do I need to do and uh, and then when you take care of all the immediate things, then you're then you're thinking, okay, well, what's coming up next week? What's coming up next month? And that sort of thing. So it's uh it it means that uh, when life was busy before COVID, uh, that, that you know I was I was really uh, getting to be quite busy, especially at particular times of the year, uh, making you know with a lot of the planning and preparation that it comes into it, and then and then getting into the nitty gritty of actually practicing and learning stuff. So it it, it has made for uh, an interesting uh, time, and um, you know th- there are many days and many weeks when I was thinking boring. A little bit of boring would be good. You know, <laughs> and uh, and but now after this year of uh, of COVID, and it's like okay, I've I've had enough boring now. Uh, let's it's time. I really want to get back to work. Uh, so although the they are all obviously musical endeavors, you know, the conducting or the playing the organ or the play playing the violin, they surprisingly there's there's little crossover between them. I mean, you know, I practice the violin, I play the violin, and I sit down in an orchestra and I and I play my violin. Uh, but that doesn't really have to bleed over very much into what I do as a conductor and what I do as an organist. I think the 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 main crossover, if you want to put it that way, or the main influence um, in in two of my my directions is that. When I go to conduct the orchestra, or when I go to conduct a choir or whatever, uh, I'm remembering and I'm keeping in mind what it feels like for me to be sitting in the orchestra and how I would like things to be done and how I would like to be treated as a musician and as a human being. And uh, I'd like to think that uh, that it what the, my approach to to my position as a conductor is to treat all people with kindness and with fairness and with with patience. Uh, because at the end of the day, although we are trying to make a living as musicians, we still would like to enjoy the time that we spend in rehearsal and a concert. Uh, 
you know, we, 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 it, life is too short to be, to be feeling like, like, like nervous and under pressure as we perform. I think that orchestras and people perform better and like their experience a lot more if they feel relaxed and if they feel um, pleased and happy. And at the end of the day, that's what my, my job is to do is to bring out the best in people uh, in, as a conductor. And, and so the, I think that the, that's where the greatest influence is between two of my, two of my directions, you know, my play, my position as a violinist and my experience in playing in orchestras with so many different conductors, uh, you know, has sort of taught me the things that, that I think are important in the way that I conduct myself in relation to other people when I'm on the podium. Uh, but so anyway, that's, that, that's, a, that's a long bit of an introduction. The, uh, my work as an organist doesn't really cross over a lot into my, my violin or my conducting. Um, it's a kind of a different thing, although, you know, it, it all is sort of the same thing. You practice, you work hard, you try and perfect pieces of music and then present them. Uh, the difference is that uh, there I'm presenting pieces of music uh, every week. So it's, uh, there, there's this constant constant turnover of repertoire and learning new stuff. Well, as a cellist in the Brantford Symphony, I, I do have to say that one thing that myself and I know my colleagues really appreciate is that as a violinist, as someone who's played in the orchestra, you really understand how players think, which is not always the case with conductors. And that you um, you really inspire us. You always keep a, an incredibly positive mood and atmosphere. I mean, you never ever look stressed. And I know myself as a conductor, um, we know there's never enough rehearsal time to prepare as much as you want. There's a lot of things you have to do in a short amount of time, and so it's very easy to get a little bit up t uptight, and, and many conductors do. And one thing that's uh, really amazing about yourself is that you always are so, you portray this element of being relaxed, very positive, you're incredibly encouraging to us, and you really bring out the best in the players. And so thank you for that. It's it's just such a pleasure to work with you. And uh, and as you, you know, and hearing you say that, that's a consideration. Well, I think you're really successful at that. It's just something that I believe in. I, I believe in in, uh, in in people having enjoying what they do, and uh, and me trying to facilitate that to bring out their best. Because you know, I, when conducting the Bradford Symphony is is such a, a privilege and it's such a joy, because everybody, all every player is is so is such a professional. They're all such great players. And they individually they bring to the to the group so much experience and so much training and and I know that they what everybody in the orchestra wants to do is at the end of the day to pull off a really good concert and that's that's what I want them to do too and stress does not help I think that uh, especially if, as a string player I know that uh, for members of the orchestra the string section. One of the biggest headaches that we encounter when we get into rehearsal and concert is what bowings are we doing? And that can be such a, uh, an energy and mood um, suppressor, you know, when you have worrying about whether you have the right bowings in your part and what everybody else is doing and that sort of thing. And so uh, in preparation, 
is is important. So to try and make sure that everybody has got the Boeings in their parts before rehearsal, so that uh, so that when we're in rehearsal, that that sort of thing is not some, that is not a distraction for the people. They, they, we have such a limited time to rehearse. We want to just sit down and play and not be worrying about as oh what is the Boeing for this bar and that sort of thing. So it's uh it's treating people the way I would like to be treated. Let's put it that way. Well, I totally agree with with your philosophy, and I thank you for it because uh, you really um you 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 walk the talk. You know, it's easy to talk the talk, but the walk it is the challenging part. And you definitely, you actually do it because we know classical is a very precise art and we want to do it well. But if we get too uptight about it, then, you know, we lose sight of the big picture, which is to make music. And if the players are feeling inspired and and happy and we're all making music, that's the most important thing because that's what the audience really hears. And that's what you you do with the Brandford Symphony. Well, thank thank you very much for the compliment. So now, what are the most enjoyable aspects of being music director and conductor of the Brantford Symphony Orchestra? For anybody who has had the opportunity to stand on the podium and give the downbeat, you know, to conduct and the, all this this wonderful sound just focuses right in on you, you know, and uh, it. It's just such a, a, a rush. It's such a high to be to to be right in the center of of the greatest stereo system ever. You know, <laughs> it, it's unbelievable, really. And so few people get the opportunity to experience that to stand in the you know on the podium and feel and experience all that wonderful music happening all around you with such intensity and and so on. Uh, I think that is the the greatest thrill is to be able to experience that from from my place you know in the middle of the orchestra and I think that um the uh, although th- this isn't really you know like Beethoven or Mozart but I think one of the one of the greatest things or one of the most most wonderful experiences was you know the beginning of the Star Wars the Star Wars medley and uh, you have that big opening crash, you know, you go, bam, you know, or the whole brass section, you know, just, you know, the beginning of the movie, you know, you, you hear the soundtrack and the very first note of the soundtrack. And when you're standing on the podium and you get ready and you go, bam, and it's just a whap, you know, it's, it's just like, wow, <laughs> this is amazing. And, uh, and so, but, so, but that moment lasts for hours and hours. I mean, as as you as you go through and you hear this wonderful music, and you're you're molding it, and you're participating in it, and you're enjoying it. It's so easy to uh, to give into the temptation of forgetting about what you're supposed to be doing. Just just listen to the music, man. You know, I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's so tempting sometimes just to say, well, just to give yourself over to to the emotions that you're experiencing yourself, and uh, you know. But you have to say, no, no, no. I've got my job to do. I, you know, I. <laughs> so focus, focus. Keep on your job. You know, you can't, you can't, you can only enjoy this so much. Uh, but anyway, that's. I think that that is the uh, overall, the 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 privilege 
that I that I have to be able to experience that. No matter whether it's Star Wars, it's a Beethoven symphony, or if it's a bit of uh, salon orchestra music, you know, to be able to to uh, really enjoy the skill and the great um, uh, dedication and capabilities of the people that are 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 playing uh, around me, I think that's a constant, constant uh, thrill, and I think that. You know, I can't nail it down to one moment and say this is this is you know one moment that I I think is just one of the best moments that I have ever had. I think that every time I step up there and the music starts, it's always a best moment. It's always a best moment. Now, you know, there have been some disappointments along the way, things that some sometimes didn't work out as well as they could have. But you know, you have to accept that uh, nothing's ever going to go perfectly, especially when you don't have a lot of rehearsal time. You get you prepare as best you can, and you know, hope that uh, things hold together. And ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, they do. Um, specifically, I think that if I was to remember uh, a couple of things, a couple of moments which I really um, were, were particularly special to me. One would be doing Beethoven Nine, the Beethoven Nine Symphony, and uh, and there were so many parts that were that were just incredible. I remember doing Beethoven Nine with Branford. Yeah. It was a special event, and that that piece is just such a special piece. No matter how often you hear it or perform it, it's just a, an amazing piece of music. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, especially getting almost at the very end of the whole symphony, you know, it's um, the whole symphony has been building and building towards this, you know, the last 30 seconds or so of, of, of the symphony. And uh, so I think that that would be one of the most memorable. Um, and uh, also conducting Brahms' second symphony. Uh, that, to me, is one of my absolute favorites. And uh, the, having the opportunity uh, to be able to conduct that uh, for me was personally was was uh, just such a special experience. But I've had so many good times, you know. There when we did the Jeans and Classics band, uh, there were there were some really great things happened there. Salon orchestra stuff, and uh, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on uh, of all the great things that that uh, that I've experienced. And uh, to try and to try and say, well, this was a defining moment is kind of like trying to define what's your favorite symphony or your favorite composer. Uh, there is one uh, I do have to tell you about one one rather uh, difficult um, performance, and that was when we performed the Beethoven uh, Emperor Piano Concerto, and the and it is in the key of E flat major. And at the beginning, or was it at the beginning of the third movement, the one of the strings on the piano broke. It was the beginning. I remember that because Branford's such a great orchestra and the players always come through. But sometimes there's things beyond anyone's control. And that E flat on the piano went out in the first movement and I went, Oh my goodness! I know. And that poor piano is trying to focus when it went so out of tune. And for you and all of us, we're going, we're all dying, but we stayed focused and and played the concerto. But 
I think that was uh, the all-time biggest disaster with Branford, you know, and and the audience responded well. But as, as musicians, it you know those are the things that make it really tough to stay focused. There was one other time where it was totally my fault, you know, something that went wrong in a performance where, and it was a salon orchestra concert, and um, the I you know we finished one piece of music and going on to the next piece of music and I come. My brain went completely blank. I I could not, for the life of me, try to figure out what's this piece of music. You know, how does it go? <laughs> so, how? What am I? Am I connecting this in two or in three? What am I doing? You know, and and so I you have to make a decision quickly. You know, I mean, the applause are done. You're getting ready to conduct the next piece, and, and you're standing there. You know, I go blah, 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 you know? <laughs> and, and and I started connecting what I thought was the right beat pattern for this piece of music that I couldn't even remember how it went. And of course, it was a complete disaster. And I just sort of stopped everybody. And by the, at that point, I remembered, oh, yeah, right. And then we started again. It was fine. But oh, my goodness. You know, I mean, that's the last thing that's supposed to happen to the conductor, you know, is that things, something like that happens. But, you know, we're only human, too, believe it or not. Yeah, unfortunately, we're all human, and and luckily those things happen to all of us, but uh, luckily not too often. It's how you handle it, too. If you're human and you're just upfront about it, and, uh, you know, people understand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this has been amazing, Philip. I really appreciate talking to you, and we could go on all day. Um, And uh, we both love the symphony orchestra. It's such a wonderful experience being able to play in an orchestra, conduct an orchestra, to listen to an orchestra, and especially Branford, such an amazing ensemble. Um, you know, I'm thrilled to be involved with the group, and thank you for all your fantastic work, and we'll see you very soon. Take care. All right, thank you. Joanne Alho has been involved in the Branford music community for over 30 years, beginning with the Suzuki String School, the Little String Orchestra, the Brant Youth Symphony, the Branford Music Club, music festivals, and the Branford Symphony Orchestra. She is currently co-chair of the BSO. As a former educator, one of her passions is bringing music to students and teachers and cultivating an interest in all forms of music, but especially classical and orchestral music. Joanne, we are pleased to have you on our podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Ron. It's a delight to be here. The pandemic has been difficult and challenging for orchestras. Various ensembles have responded to the pandemic in different ways, depending on a number of factors. Both our orchestras have not presented live concerts this season. The primary goal for our orchestra community is to find ways to survive, adapt, and continue. We are all looking forward to live concerts again when it is safe to do so. Can you share what the BSO has done in response to the pandemic and what activities you have been involved with this season? One of the first things we did, Ron, was very sad. We actually had to phone our patrons and we made a point of phoning them to tell them that we had to cancel our season. Uh, Even though we used the social media, we divided all of our patrons up among the board members and people made personal phone calls. For myself, 
what was really surprising was that over three quarters of the people that I phoned were not connected to social media in any way. So that meant that uh, they didn't have FaceTime, they didn't use a computer, uh, they didn't have a laptop or an iPad, uh, and they didn't have a cell phone. There were over half that didn't even have a cell phone. So as we were even thinking of how to move forward, that put a very different spin on trying to use uh, online media and social media to maintain that connection. So phone calls were the primary way that we were doing that. For those who were connected to social media, we tried to link them. We tried to encourage them to stay on our site. Uh, we maintain contact through our newsletter. And we tried to connect them with uh, BSO members, uh, musicians who were performing and who were doing concerts and, um, you know, whose music they could, they could enjoy. So we tried to do that. Um, we also tried to maintain a connection with the schools. With the schools, we are offering uh, online performances in two different venues, uh, from JK to grade three, and then another program from grade four to grade eight. And I, I, I was delighted when I saw a preview of it to, to note that we are playing your music, Ron. Yeah, I'm very pleased to be involved in your program. That was quite exciting for us. So that's that's what we're doing in terms in terms of music and we we do have uh, bso members who did send information to our fantastic administrative assistant ada keeps us all honest and in line and and connected and uh, she was the one who would uh, would put forward anything that any of our musicians sent so that was one way that our patrons uh, could maintain contact with the symphony also that's wonderful. And as we know, it's so important, educational outreach and uh, supporting young people. And with this challenging time for them, music is such an, a wonderful outlet. So it's, it's great the orchestra's been able to continue with that uh, this season. Now, we know that pandemic has hurt orchestras financially, all of us. What is the BSO doing to combat this problem? Well, I must compliment the government's because um, they, they, have come, they have come forward in terms of helping us financially in ways that they never have before. Uh, whether it was a provincial government, whether it was the federal government, there have been funds that have been forwarded to help us with our, our overhead costs. I mean, we do have an office. We do have an administrative assistant. We had to furlough our other employees, our other musicians, which was probably one of the hardest things I've had to do. Um, but we, uh, and where we rent, uh, they actually, um, they just took away the rent for a couple of months and they have given us, um, let's just say a very advantageous position in terms of allowing us to maintain, uh, what we have. Um, and that has been, that has been a bonus and a benefit that I don't think any of us thought was going to be there. We really did think that we were going to have to dip in to reserve funds, and, uh, and that was quite terrifying. The other thing that we normally do is we have a book fair, and our book fair raises for the symphony orchestra between forty-five and 65000 every year. It's a four-day sale. It takes three months to organize. But it is looked forward to not only by the people who organize it, but also the people who come and support us that way. 
And this is the second year we haven't been able to do that. So what we tried was an online book sale. And uh, three of us prepared 100 boxes. And we went on an auction site. We have another board member, Stephen, who is absolutely extraordinary in terms of his ability to do things uh, online. And he actually ran the uh, Alora quilt auction that had to go as a, an online auction for the first time. So he had a lot of experience. And even though we raised just over $5,000, um, you know, far away from what we normally would have, it was at least another way of keeping in, in contact with our patrons. And when people came to do the drive-by pickup or take advantage of the delivery that we offered, one of the things that they all said was, we can't wait to hear live music again. And would you please do this in the fall so we have books for the winter? So it was, uh, you know, it, it, it's a way that we're uh, maintaining contact, uh, paying a couple of months rent, and uh, and hopefully, hopefully moving forward in in uh, in a positive way. It's really great to see the BSO adapting in such a positive way. It's a wonderful thing about the Brantford community. It's such a supportive and wonderful place to be in. I always enjoy going to Brantford and meeting people. And as you know, it takes a community to have an orchestra. And it's really exciting to see that the community and all the different ways people um, work so hard to keep the orchestra going. So a lot to celebrate there. And it certainly helps to give us hope for the future. So talking about the future, certainly with this pandemic, planning is challenging for orchestras. It's just so hard right now. But can you share the BSO's tentative plans for next year? With all my fingers and toes crossed, we are hoping to offer a concert on October 30th and another concert December 11th. Uh, the October 30th is going to be our, our, our long-awaited Beethoven celebration. And of course, December 11th will be the, uh, the Christmas uh, performance, which is always just one of my favorite events. It's going to depend on a variety of factors, uh, what is allowed in terms of capacity, and whether or not people are going to be comfortable enough to share a public space. Uh, the Sanderson Center is the most marvelous place, and with almost uh, 1,100 seats, surely we will be able to safely socially distance and enjoy live music again. I know the I know the center is working very hard with a lot of orchestras and other performance spaces trying to figure out how we can do this safely. Let's hope because I've really missed live concerts and playing with the Brantford Symphony and it would be really wonderful to come back and be able to play again in the fall. So, we'll hope. We will hope and I can I can't tell you how much we are looking forward to seeing our musicians again and to being with them in the theater. As I mentioned, it's a wonderful community and the relationship between all the people who run the orchestra, like yourself being on the board and, and the musicians, it's like a family. And it's really wonderful, the warmth and the care everyone has towards the orchestra. Now for this season, the Brantford Symphony Orchestra has been one of the Scarborough Philharmonic's community partners for this podcast series. We want to thank you and your organization for this support. We are also hoping for more collaborations in the future. Is there anything you would like to add about this relationship? We are just honored to have so many people, to share so many musicians. 
we both enjoy the the talents uh, of several people, and I'm going to highlight yourself and and Kay, your wife, and also uh, Samuel Bisson, uh, because it's through those contacts that I think we enrich each other's experiences and also those of anyone who is able to listen to and partake in these the concerts that have been on. Yes, I totally agree. And it's uh, for all of us, I could say that we love playing in both orchestras. And they're just it. And this is something that's really important. And I think coming out of the pandemic is that uh, arts organizations will be doing even more to be helping and supporting each other as we all go through this and, and sharing this. And as you know, um, all the meetings we've been attending organized through Orchestras Canada to try to help all of us problem solve and share solutions and, and, and how to deal with problems. And it, it's, it's, for me, it's been very inspiring to see how the community has really come together. And it's, it's, uh, we've all benefited from this collaboration. Yes, and, and as you and I have previously discussed, uh, we, we must uh, celebrate uh, Catherine Carleton because as head of Orchestras Canada, she has certainly been one of the shining positive lights that is guiding us through this pandemic. I totally agree. Catherine's an amazing person. And she was actually, we interviewed her on one of our early podcasts. And uh, she did a fantastic interview on the pandemic. And, you know, normally a pretty depressing subject, but she did it in such a way that was very hopeful. And that's how she's approached it is here's a problem, but we, we're going to find a way to deal with it and adapt and ultimately be able to survive and continue and be successful. And that kind of positive approach, I think, is helping all of us. So we'll hope for the best. Thank you so much for this interview. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you soon. I do hope so, Ron. We'll see you very soon. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. And that's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Philip Sorabura and Joanne Alho, for joining us today. And thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure to stay in touch with us at spo.ca and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SPO Great Music. Be sure to join us on Friday, April 23rd for the musical offering of the SPO Great Music performance series on our YouTube channel. A complete list of performers and titles will be available on our website. The next episode of our podcast series will be available on Friday, April 30th on your favorite platform. Our executive producer and audio engineer is Devin Scott. Our producer and music director is myself, Ronald Royer. Our podcast host is Dr. Daniel Medizade. The SPL Great Music Podcast is brought to you in part by funding and support from the Toronto Arts Council, Delta Bingo and Gaming's Downview, the SOCAN Foundation, our SPO Board of Directors, and SPO donors and volunteers. If you want to add your support, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation online through canadahelps.org. Just search for the SPO Philharmonic Orchestra. A link is also available on our website, spo.ca. A special thank you to our community partners, Scarborough Arts, Fab Collab, the Canadian Music Centre, Stratford Symphony Orchestra, Canadian Sinfonietta, the Brantford Symphony Orchestra, and the Cathedral Bluff Symphony Orchestra. Share your feedback on Facebook and Twitter at SPO Great Music. Until next time. <laughs>